Hey, welcome to Connection Over Coffee with me, Phil McAuliffe, The Loneliness Guy. We're going to have a great chat today about shame and loneliness with Callan Brecken. Say g'day, Callan. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> this podcast is all about destigmatizing loneliness and promoting authentic connection for gay men globally. It's got content relating to the mental, emotional, and physical well-being of gay men. If that's going to offend you or anyone in earshot, now's the time for you to move on. So, with all of that said, how about you and Callan go get us a seat, and I'll go get the coffee sorted. Here you go. If this is the first time you've connected with me over coffee, welcome. I recognize that loneliness and shame is not generally a topic that gay men come to the internet to get information on. So I recognize that you've probably just uh, wrestled in yourself with a whole lot of feelings um, about possibly being a gay man who's experiencing some loneliness right now in simply getting to press play. I want to tell you right now how proud I am of you and you've picked a fantastic episode to join us. And if you're a a regular listener to Connection Over Coffee with the Loneliness Guy, welcome back. It's fantastic to have you here. Callan Brecken is the go-to guy in all the internet um, to talk about shame. Callan, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you. Thank you. I never thought I would be like the go-to guy when it came to shame, but hey, I'll be I'll be Brene Brown's best friend in that regard. I know. Well, you know, she's she's like, you know, the the, the go-to girl. Um, but, you know, I, th- I reckon you could probably get a t-shirt, you know, some business cards, <laughs> cards made of, I'm the go-to guy, shame, question mark, ask me how. Um, so, so, Callan, we've had a bit of a chat before pressing record, um, and I want to really just dive on in. Why, why does shame suck, and why do you do this work? Oh, my goodness. Um... Well, I've been in the personal development self-help world for well over a decade now, and I've been coaching professionally for about three years. And I got into shame specifically more recently, probably within the last, I'd say just over a year, um, because I just really noticed that there was that was where a lot of the juicy stuff was coming from when I was working with people. So when I was working with clients, a lot of it was stemming from, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there who are like, shoot for the stars and let's focus on all these things that you want to achieve and do and yada, yada, yada. And then not a lot of people were focusing on why they weren't achieving that in the first place. What, like what, what's that inner stuff going on? And there's a fine line that it does come about where it's maybe therapy esque. Um, but a lot of my focus is on like, okay, well, where does this come from? Why is it there in the first place? Let's do a little self-analyzing and then let's go from that place. And a lot of it, a lot of it came mm. from <clears throat> shame. Yeah. 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 What, what is shame? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Brene Brown, we already talked about how much I love her. So Brene Brown. She's my intellectual as... crush. Move it on. Like she's, she's oh, just my yeah. intellectual crush. Love her. Love that woman. <laughs> so um, she describes it as sh- guilt is I've done something wrong. And shame is I am wrong. It's an internalization of putting it inside of yourself instead of keeping stuff on the outside so that it doesn't affect you. Um, This actually reminds me of Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote the book, uh, Big Magic. She also did Eat, Pray, Love, but Mm. she wrote this book, Big Magic. And it talks about her genius kind of in a very similar sense where um, the genius known back in the day used to be something that was outside of a person. It wasn't something that they owned. It wasn't something that belonged to them. It was just an energy that came to them and worked with them, but it was outside of them. So it was like, she's like, I'm going to show up to write every day. I'm going to do my job and I need, I need you. I need my genius to also show up to work with me. And 
so but it wasn't until recently like recent human history that we started putting the genius in a person and we started putting that pressure on a person and it's like you are the genius you have to do this this is all up to you and it's like holy crap like talk about pressure yeah right so that's the same with shame you've been putting everything inside of yourself and making it all about you because you know humans are innately selfish which it's natural but like you've made it all about you so now we need to learn how to like dissect that and pull that apart so that that shame is no longer yours and it doesn't belong to you it's just things that you have done or things that have happened but no longer need to continue in your life and you can move on and move through that but um but yeah so that's why i've developed the program that i'm developing and that's why i do a lot of coaching that i work um with and and the changes that i see are i focus on building pillars that are like lifelong so that it's you know you're building off of like your core values your core beliefs the things that make you up as a person and we build off those building blocks from the ground up because it, i think of i think of yourself as like a pyramid if you build a super solid foundation, no matter what comes along in your life, no matter what tries to knock you over, you will be standing strong. And that's where I like to build my coaching from so that no matter what happens, your foundation is strong. You are like, I know who I am. I know what my core values are, my core beliefs. I know what, what, who I am at the base. And all this other extra stuff is outside of you. Mm. So that shame, that genius, these other things that we talk about, those are aspects of your life, but they are not your life. Yeah, they're not life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's tremendously, that's powerful, both sort of visually, but also, uh, I don't know if like if metaphysically is the word um, that I'm looking for, but, you know, having that kind of, that solidity um, that 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 very well grounded base of like knowing who you are, and then unapologetically being who you are um, for the lonely gay man or the gay man who is experiencing you know a a bout of loneliness you know be that bout short term or or chronic loneliness that can seem like you know a a you know talking about pyramids that could be like you know the pyramids of giza like you know you can see them and they're imposing they're like so scary imposing and and oh they are i've been and, there i've yeah. seen them yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i've not but you know that geo channel makes them look pretty good um but it is um you know, when, when, when we're in the midst of, you know, feeling lonely, feeling socially disconnected, whatever it is you want to, uh, you know, however however it is that you feel, and, you know, having had a chat with Jesse Elkins about comparisons and, you know, when we're, you know, going through life in that kind of mindset of feeling disconnected and observing rather than participating, seeing someone or seeing someone else being rock solid as their pyramid or, you know, hearing Callan Brecken on some kind of random connection over coffee podcast uh, in, in some part of the internet go, yeah, you know, need to build it like a, um, a, uh, like a, a pyramid that can seem very like unattainable. Well, yeah, because they've never done it before. Yeah. And they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Of yeah. course, it's going to be unattainable if somebody's just talking to you about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is exactly right. How do we then move from the the position of almost? I just had this visual here, like you know, loneliness perhaps you know is an inverted pyramid, uh, and you know, um, uh, you can feel absolutely battered by life, and and you know, rather than turning the pyramid right way up uh, and having that mm -hmm. solid foundation and knowing that you know the wind, the rain, the whatever, uh, like other uh, uh, like elements affecting the pyramid but it's not going to topple over how do we get to that point and the question there is how do we reckon with shame to make our base solid so there's a couple things to unpack here so <laughs> the first part is is that 
the society that we live in and the society that we've built is very much of a look on society. So there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's looking there. We're playing the comparison game. And when you play the comparison game, you are never going to win. It is never going to you are never going to benefit from that comparison game. You're always going to be felt or left feeling shitty about yourself. And the number one thing I say about somebody who is in that state where they're feeling lonely or they're feeling alone and, you know, they're like, oh, it's very much self-obsession when we get to that point because you're so stuck in here that you're not into your heart and you're so stuck in your brain about things that are going on around you. You're not actively engaging with the world. You think you are because you're on your phone and you're scrolling and you're doing all these things, but you're not actively engaging. And the best way I know to get myself out of that is to help somebody else or to jump in somewhere else. Now I'm not saying go out and be mother Teresa, but I'm saying like when you insert yourself in something like a community, because I'm a huge community is one of my biggest pillars, because this is a lesson I had to learn. I tried to do everything by myself and I often would feel alone. Like I've lived in five different cities around the world. I'm very multicultural in that. And, and I've spent a lot of time by myself. I'm an introvert. I love it. But not having community around me, not having community even on an online sense, yeah, I'd feel alone. I'd feel lonely. I'd feel like I'm the only one going through this. <clears throat> and so get out. Not You don't need to necessarily get out physically, but get out and join a group. You can go online and curate your own life. You can go into groups like the Gay Men's Brotherhood where we met and insert yourself into this community. And the amount you insert yourself is up to you. You can either go far or you can stay shallow and see how it feels, you know, dip your toes. But if you're so focused on yourself and why things are happening to you, you're less thinking about why things are happening for you. But when you put yourself into the community and you start looking at all these other people who are also having these emotions, also having these thoughts, you go, oh, I'm not the only one. And that builds that bridge. Yeah. And then you can start asking the question as to why things are happening for you as opposed to everything's happening to you. You're making yourself the victim when you think, oh, this is all happening to me. And I know I'm, I'm saying this very making it seem like it's not as big as it is. Like I understand like there is mental mental illness and mental health problems and there are deep places that people can get that they need help. Um, but I'm talking like the everyday general population that, you know, they just kind of have these waves and these feelings. If you're able to insert yourself into those communities and and start cultivating new relationships and building those healthy relationships, that takes you instantly out of that feeling lonely. Yeah. I I work from home and because it's the pandemic, we don't see people, <laughs> me and my roommate, like we, we, I mean, things opened up a bit and we did, but like for the longest time, we weren't allowed to see people. I was absolutely fine, <laughs> but it's because I have done the work to figure out how to get there and how to, you know, jump into the community and do all that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it takes, it takes time and it also takes people helping you and you need to be able to be willing to say, Hey, I need help or let somebody help you because there is no, there's no, there's this weird pride that people have that they think that, Oh, I have to do it alone and it's going to be that much better. And I'm like, screw that. Like, why would you do it by yourself when you can do it with other people? And when you do it with other people, it's going to get you there faster and you're going to have a way better time doing it. We're social creatures. We're humans. Mm. We like to be social. Why? Would you go and do it by yourself? And that's one of the things that uh, that's such a good point. And and listener viewer, um, I want to remind you of of something that I I say. And and Callan talking about pillars, um, uh, I want to remind you of the three pillars of connection that I talk about. Um, and uh, the connection to self, connection to those uh, most important to you, and connection to community. Uh, and when it comes to connection, uh, you know, the, the, the advice, and I got this when I, when I realized that I was lonely and I Googled uh, and I called my employer's um, uh, like counseling service and uh, got the advice of, you know, oh, oh, you just need to put yourself out there. Um, and I'm like, like, what, what? Like, that's, that's. Of course, like, but that's that's what Google says. That's what doc, Dr. Google says is like, you know, if you're lonely, you need to need to put yourself out there. I focused on the out there. Uh, and I feel that we all do when we're lonely. Uh, and, you know, we, we Google. 
Um, and of course, you do need to put yourself out there. You need to connect with other people because, Callan, as you just said, we are social creatures. But, and this is, this is the absolute crux of my work, unless we are putting ourselves out there, all the out there is not going to scratch the itch of connection. Because you mean you're like true self. You're tr- yeah. your true honest self. Yep. Got your on. self. Not and and two distinct words there. Not yourself. Not not your your physical self. That can help. That can help. But loneliness. Loneliness I contend um, comes when we interact with the world. A a source of loneliness can come when we interact with the world through the mask. Art mask, masks, um, plural. And any way of connecting beyond, like through that mask, over time can feel um, disingenuous because you're not interacting as yourself. And the greatest... Uh, reason, the most significant reason that I can think of and and within myself, using myself as the example here, is um, not being authentically ourselves and shame, the shame of, uh, you know, being me. And listener, I, I, I want to ask you this really bluntly. Is shame the the thoughts and feelings of something that you have done or that has, has been done to you? Is that, like it was for me, a source or the source that's stopping you putting you, putting yourself into the world so that when you do uh, connect with those most important to you, pillar two, pillar two, uh, or and then go to connect with your community, be that online, be that, you know, physically, you know, can you do that as yourself? And Callan, that's exactly the, 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 the point I want to move on to now. And in my blog post, Shame and Loneliness, which uh, is a... Um, uh, I want to say it's like the the, the the cornerstone. It's an absolute foundational um, uh, piece of work about my work. And, yep, it's a long read. I don't apologize for that because it is so, so important. And I'm going to keep on coming back to it over time. But there's there's three points in there. And the first is um, the like the interaction between loneliness and shame. And... Specifically, why why does shame prevent us from interacting with the world? Oh gosh, fear, <laughs> fear like shame and fear go hand in hand, and you have you're afraid of something, and then you have shame because you're afraid of something, or you have shame from all your other hangups and whatever you got going on. But fear is the big part of why it doesn't change is because there's this false evidence appearing real is the acronym I use fear, false evidence appearing real that you go, well, I can't do this because of this possibility that hasn't happened, but it's in my head and it might happen. And so it it has a lot to do with why people never change is because they have this fear inside of them that they, people fear the unknown. And changing means you have to do something or be something that you've never done or been before. And you're not sure how people are going to react to you. And maybe you've had an experience where you did change and people shamed you for it because other people, when they see you changing, shame you back into being yourself again, because then if you change, then it forces them to look at their mere self and it forces them to want to not change. And they go, wait, if you're changing, I don't want to change. I'm not ready to change. I'm the crab in the bucket. I'm going to pull you back down. 
Yeah. And that's a huge piece of why people don't change because they're afraid of that. What if people treat me differently? Yeah. What if people treat you differently? What if people treat you better? Yeah. There's people always go to that fear space of what if things change? What if things like all these bad things that can happen? Yeah, those things could happen. But what if all these amazing things happen? But we don't default to that because that's not the thing that's driven home for everybody. The thing that's driven home is the familiar and the familiar is these are the people I hang out with. This is the life that I've lived. This is what I've done all the time. And to get out of that routine, you need something to help you shift. And that's why personal development coaches, life coaches, counselors, therapists, all these people, that's what they are for is to help you navigate how to do that change. Because how is a person supposed to know how to do all of these things if they've never done them before? Yeah. Yeah. Like people put a lot of pressure on themselves that they make this decision. They're like, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then they just kind of start trying to do it without a, a roadmap or a guide. And then friends or other people shame them being like, oh, well, you don't know how to do that. Or they're like, oh, well, you need a therapist or you need that. And it's like, oh, I don't need a therapist. It's like, girl, all of us could use the therapist. Like, <laughs> I'm a huge advocate for mental health in that regard, because you don't know what you don't know. So how are you supposed to change and go down a different road? You need somebody to help you hold your hand and be like, maybe they've not specifically gone down the road you want to go down, but they know how to help you change and they know how to be your support system. They know how to hold you accountable so that you implement those changes into your life so that you're like, cool, maybe some friends are saying some crap about me. Maybe they're shaming me over here, but I have this person in my corner who's helping me through this and I can see the light on the other side and it is brighter. And maybe you might lose a friend or two. Hey, who knows? But if they're a shitty person, they're keeping you feeling shitty. Why do you want to keep them in your life anyway? Yeah, right. Right. Isn't it, isn't it, you know, and, and I think that is key for um, uh, the lonely mind. It's that fear of letting people go. It's like, well, I'm lonely or anyway. even letting people in. Yeah. Well, it that's... Goes both ways. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I like, you know, and, and, and you know, not wanting to lose any more people and then feeling more alone. And sometimes, sometimes, and and using myself here as the example, which I did in in the blog post, um, and we're going to get into that uh, in in a little while. But what I, um, you know, absolutely terrified, absolutely terrified, like I knew, I knew within myself, what I was avoiding. There were a couple of big things. One of them was my sexuality. Um, and there were, you know, events that I had turned into, you know, told stories uh, a bit to make sense and then made them beliefs. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, Callan, but when it comes to um, my omnipotence and my total power over the world, it's like it knows no bounds. It's like I can make, I don't know about you, but I can make everything that happens in the world around me my fault. Mm, Yeah, I mean, you could if you wanted to, but there's honest to God, like COVID was not your fault. Like (laughs) there's things that happen in the world that it's like there's no literal possible way that that is your fault, but it's part of your experience. And it comes to how do you choose to interpret that experience? Yeah. And you choose to experience, you choose to interpret that experience that things are your fault. I choose to interpret those things that life is magical and like great things happen, not so great things happen, but I choose to focus on the great things. Yeah. We all have our own ways. I think, I think my, yeah, you're absolutely right. My point is, you know, not 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 necessarily on the macro scale, but on 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 the micro scale. Uh, you know, with with the the the, the people directly in my life. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, generally, and I find this in in my coaching conversations. Uh, at work is a great example, like the workplace pre-COVID. <laughs> like, let's let's just put that out there, yeah. but um. You know, and, and, you know, people often give the examples of sitting in a meeting and 
talking about, you know, making a contribution and then someone says something completely different or shoots them down or, or, or whatever it is, whatever it is. And, you know, we can make ourselves the reason why someone said something. Because uh, everything's about you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, th- and that goes to the total omnipotence. Uh, yeah, get and- off your high horse. Yeah. Everything's not always about the listeners. Everything is not always about you. You are, you are, and you are not that important. You are everything and you are nothing all at the same time. You are not that big of a deal that everything depends on you and that whatever you say is the be all end all. If you came up with an idea and somebody's like, no, I don't like it. Or the boss is like, no, we're not going to do that. It is not you that they're saying you're a shitty person. It is the idea that they're saying this doesn't work for us. And I don't have enough time to explain to you why it doesn't work for us, but we're going to move on. And you just need to go, cool. It wasn't the idea that the universe wanted to give birth to right now. That's not on me. That's on the universe saying it's not right. So calm down. It's not you. You are the faucet. The universe is the water. You're just turning that tap on and off. Love it. Love it. Stop making yourself such an important big deal. (laughs) Right. Right. Because, but that's what the, the lonely mind does that. The lonely mind does that. And because it's, uh, because we're in fight or flight when we, when we are experiencing loneliness and, you know, we are looking at our way of either, like, um, getting to connection, but that involves vulnerability. That That's the hard thing. It's like going, actually, I need better connection. I need to, like, ask for help. Or I need to reach out to someone. What if they say no, et cetera, et cetera. It's that fear, um, including, like, the, the word and the acronym that you've just given us. But... You know, so it's often easier for the lonely mind to retreat. And of course, because it's familiar. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you know, it's it's familiar. It's it's it like it's it's the lesser of two evils. It's the one that doesn't involve you putting yourself out there, so you put yourself in there. Well, it's the default program your computer's running. Yeah, yeah. You right? trained your you trained your mind, your computer, to run on this default program for so long. Imagine doing that for 50, 60, 70 years. Of course, it's going to be difficult to change. You have to reboot the whole system. Yeah, yeah. So how do you reboot the whole system? Well, you find people who you enjoy, like this. I'm sure there's people who listen, who find you helpful and useful. And this information that you bring into the world and and cultivate, so useful and helpful. And that is just one small piece of them learning how to reboot their system. Yeah. Every time they listen, they get one more piece of device. They have one more thing. And a lot of times um, we're talking about the person who's fearful in that state. It's because they're thinking of a be all end all. They're thinking of everything and all of it all at once. And it can be overpowering. No, (laughs) one thing at a time, one percent at a time, one little itsy bitsy step at a time. It's it's like, um, have you ever heard of Abram Hicks and the um, scale of emotional scale of emotion or scale of emotional intelligence? I can't remember exactly what it's called at the moment, but it is a scale of about twenty five, thirty emotions. And the whole premise of it is when somebody's feeling down and depressed or lonely or sad, and somebody comes along he's like oh we'll feel better yeah. you know just hey girl hey just feel better it's like no that shit don't work like how how can you tell somebody who feels like absolute crap who you're you're vibrating up here and they're vibrating down here and you're just like just vibrate up here it's like how yeah. how do you vibrate up there it's not about that it's about searching for the next best feeling yeah so if you feel like absolute shit and you're depressed The next best feeling isn't, oh, we'll just feel better. The next best feeling is indifference. So whatever you need to do to move up that one ring on the ladder to indifference, that's all you do. You focus on that 1% better. You focus on that one step. Don't focus on the 10 steps ahead of you. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You don't eat the whole fucking elephant at the same time. So if you're in that down and low and lonely space, Don't focus on like, I need to be all this. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Stop shooting all over yourself and just focus on that next best step, that one increment better. That's it. And life is happening regardless. So it can happen fast, slow, whatever it is, but just focus on that one step 
and do that and then get good there. Get good in that one space. Go, cool. I've moved from being depressed and sad on my bed, crying and feeling lonely. And I've migrated to the couch. I still feel sad, maybe a little bit depressed, but I'm watching Netflix and the show's making me laugh. So I'm moving up that I'm moving up that scale. I'm moving up that ladder one ring because now I'm not like totally down in the dumps. I'm like getting more to indifference. Yep. And whatever you need to do to just continue moving up that ladder step by step, it's not a race. You're the only one in your life. You're the only one controlling all the thoughts and feelings and emotions that you have. But you were not gifted, maybe, not everybody, but you might not have been gifted with the knowledge of how to do this for yourself. So again, it goes back to how do you how do you know to change the things that you don't know? You don't know what you don't know. But now that you know, now that you're starting to learn, you can start to take those micro steps and build that muscle up with those micro tears to get to where you eventually want to go. It's a journey. It is not a race. It is not a sprint. It is a journey. It is lifelong. And you need to give yourself a break. I'm just going to leave some space for that to sink in <laughs> you know uh and because the i don't know I, I was about to say i, I should just do a micro mic drop i'm holding a microphone right now i might as well just drop it uh <laughs> like, you know listener viewer callan thanks so much for joining us that's it that's it that's that's you know the answer right there um <laughs> i get so riled up i get so like into it <laughs> don't apologize like if that's if that's like a self-deprecating apology i no 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 that was like i good. love getting into it i get so excited about it i'm i'm not having any of that shit on my show thank you this is the place to demonstrate the passion uh and indeed exactly why i invited you to coffee because this listener viewer callan you know this but I'm, I'm talking to you too, but this is it right here because as I said in my blog post, as I have experienced, um, and Callan, as a human, you've experienced this too, but there is shame can cause our loneliness. Shame can be a huge contributing factor, particularly if you feel that you are alone and lonely, but surrounded by people, you are not letting yourself be seen. And I get all the time, I can't be lonely. And I get it all the time. I hear it all the time. And I have said it to myself, perhaps a world record number of times. Um, that I can't be lonely because I have friends. I can't be lonely because I'm surrounded by people all day. I'm not alone. Loneliness does not mean that you are alone. You can be lonely and alone. You can be alone and so fulfilled um, that, yeah, right? You know, and, 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 and the introverts in this conversation uh, have put their hands up. Um, <laughs> um and yeah, I get that. I get that as an ambivert. Yep, you know, I, I totally love at times, you know, closing the door and, and just sort of, you know, keeping the world at, at, at bay. But listener, viewer, if you are that kind of, well, I can't be lonely, I'm, I'm reasoning in a way, I want to I invite you to get uncomfortable and it's shit it's awful it's awful it's awful it's awful and there's a really good like fucking reason why we avoid dealing with the things that make us feel shit about ourselves and i don't want to say you know that that you know to to deal with our shame that you know we 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 avoid our shame because when we're feeling shit about ourselves, we want to avoid feeling shit about ourselves. We don't know that that's shame. And so, you know, we do scroll, we get onto Pornhub, we get onto 
I don't know, we, we go to the pantry and get the packet of chips and, and, and hopefully we feel better at the end of the chip, uh, the, 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 the chip packet. Or no, no, we don't, feel, we don't feel better about that. Maybe a cocktail, maybe a glass of wine. Oh, no, still not feeling better about myself at the bottom of that bottle, uh, that, that bottle of wine. Um, which, listener, viewer, if you are going to be drinking wine, um, buy Australian please um and it is um, new zealand wine's pretty good too i'm not i'm not a kiwi (laughs) i know but i love i love my oyster bay (laughs) yeah that's that good fine uh and it it, you know as uh, it was particularly uh upsetting for the australian wine industry when oyster bay was the highest selling white wine in australia there for a few years um and and stuff but there is nothing better um, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and you're going into a, into colder climes. Uh, a hearty Australian red from the Coonawarra. That's my, um, my 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 recommendation there. Tell them Phil sent you. But it is um, you know we we double down on the things that we have have made us feel better in the past, like sex, porn, um, eating, drinking, uh, recreational drug use, um, social media work um you know all the all of these things what have we we what are we doing to avoid feeling shit about ourselves that is the gateway uh the awareness gateway into dealing with your shame because the only thing that will make you feel better about yourself deliberate dramatic pause there is to know and understand and become okay with your shame and if you are lonely, there is shame in admitting that you're lonely. And there is shame that is making you lonely. And it's this beautiful, symbiotic, um, parasitic relationship that shame and loneliness has. It's this, it's this non-virtuous cycle. It's an evil cycle. That is so hard to break out of. And Callan is exactly right. And I can say this from my own lived experience. The temptation is there to fix it yourself. That's shame talking. You can't read a book. As awesome as many books are, you cannot read a book and then close the cover and go, right, fixed, now I can be me. If only it was so simple, right, Callan? Oh, man, I would be, I'd be Oprah by now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's, let's imagine we're sitting under trees uh, and it's Super Soul Sunday now. Um, but yeah, right? All right? Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't work that way. No. And we, need we we need help. Yep. I didn't get to where I am by myself. Yep. I mean, I I did struggle a lot of it through a lot of it by myself, but I started doing way better, way quicker, and enjoying it way more when I started doing it with other people. Yep. 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 And that's that's the critical uh, critical thing for the lonely mind is loneliness at its core is that it are the thoughts and feelings that our body is telling us that we need connection. It's tempting and we do it. We do it. But it, it, when we say it aloud, it makes no sense because I'm going to combat my feelings of tho- uh, thoughts and feelings of loneliness by myself. But we do it. Like sure, it, Jan. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Jan. You, you do that. Good for yeah. you. <laughs> Right? But we do it. We all do it. We all do it because of the shame of admitting that we're lonely. And, and you know, I'm just going to say this, uh, perhaps a little off topic right now, but there is a real... No, it's not off topic. It's my fucking podcast. I, can, I make the topic. But, it, you know, uh, and this is something that Sophia Kokoros and I, um, from episode seven, uh, Connection in the Time of COVID, talk about. Um the stigma of loneliness and I'm all about destigmatizing loneliness and promoting authentic connection. That is my mission statement for gay men globally. Right. And what it comes down to is saying the word lonely. 
saying the word I am lonely, not uh, about I need more connection in my life. You know, I have a lack of connection. No, you're fucking lonely. Now we get to do something about it. We can call. Callan, um, you, you said something about, you know, people want to know the Band-Aid, not the wound uh, before we before we, we recorded. Yeah, I'm like, okay, yep, the, there's Band-Aids. Identify the Band-Aid, but let's talk about the wound. Let's destigmatize the wound because nothing gets better unless you are accepting the wound. And the wound is loneliness, not the lack of connection. So, so well, yeah, you got to face, you got to face the shit eventually. Yeah. But it's like, that's why people are attracted to the band-aids so much more because the band-aid is, is the segue drug into the shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As awkward as that sounds, the band-aid is the thing that people go, Oh yeah, that looks nice. I can do that. And then underneath the band-aid, it's like, okay, well, this is like, this is the cure. This is what we're really teaching you. And then they go, Oh Oh, but because they've done the work to get through the Band-Aid and through the other stuff, they're in a better headspace because they've taken those steps. They've climbed up the ladder a little bit more because they've walked, you know, we've walked them through that process. But they didn't do that alone. No. A lot of people, as much as you'd like to pretend is true, don't do it alone. They make those shifts. They do those things with other people. So what? why do we constantly think that we can do it alone? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's like a such a rich vein uh, of conversation um, in there, but I'm I'm getting uh, uh, I'm I'm aware of the time, and there is one more thing that I want to talk about, and it's not a little thing. It's not a little thing. In my blog post uh, on shame and loneliness, I introduced the world to Joe, and Joe is the name of the character within me who loves to tell me how much I suck. Uh, loves to tell me how I'm a fraud, how I'm, you know, uh, often, and I equate this to swimming in a pool. Uh, and, you know, there's lots of great swimmers around me. Uh, I'm a swimmer. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lifeguard. Uh, and uh, Joe has me... Uh, uh, Joe's the lifeguard and I'm swimming and he, you know, just loves to blow the whistle and get everyone's attention and point to me and go, Oi, you get out of the pool. Like, you're not meant to be here. This is a huge mistake. Like, you know, who are you to think that, you know, you can sit in the room? And I've been an Australian diplomat, right? So I have sat in meetings with the Australian flag in front of me, Phil McAuliffe, Australia on a nameplate, you know, and for all intents and purposes, on that topic, I'm Australia. And Joe loves that kind of situation um, because, you know, he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? This this kid from a tiny town of 800 people in regional New South Wales, who do you think you are? You know, being sitting here in Tokyo, sitting here in Seoul, sitting in Vietnam or, you know, wherever I've wherever else I've been. Like, who do you think you are? Like, you know, you, you, you're saying stuff, you're, um, and, you know, anytime someone's going to blow the whistle and go, yeah, this has just been a huge mistake, out. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but, and, and, but we have this character. I contend many of us have this character in our, in our minds that loves to tell us that we're not enough. And then when we do feel that we are enough, that we, uh, you know, the, the character then tells us that we're too much. Uh, and to dial it down and looking at ways of, of how things are going to be a failure, looking at ways and, and then, but, and, and so this is the character that like Googles ourselves and like, you know, Google, you know, reviewing, you know, uh, like looking at reading reviews about ourselves and, and, you know, there might be 20 great comments uh, and one comment that's kind of either mediocre or, you know, not good, and fixate, fixates on that. And that character, the work that I have done within myself with help, uh, has helped me identify that character as Joe. And I've named him Joe after the kid who gave me such a hard time, like bullied me mercilessly uh, when I was 14. 
because Joe, I now understand, is the 14-year-old me who wants to be safe, who wants to keep me safe. Now, I'm going to admit, like, I, I, I don't know if, if my voice is sounding like confident and all that kind of stuff, but right now, right now, I'm going to be honest, I'm shaking. Like, and, and Joe wants me to shut up. Joe's like, no one, no one wants to know what's going on with you right now, Phil. No one cares. Uh, and, or he's catastrophizing right now. He's catastrophizing like a fucking boss. It's like, you know, you say this, people in your life are going to do that. Um, so, Callum, that whole story in my blog post, that share, um, goes to the point of how we can turn shame, our shame and our sources of shame, the stories, the things that happened in our lives and what we have made them be, but what we've made them mean, how we can turn them into our ally. How can we turn our shame into our ally? Hmm. Well, I got a lot of things to say about what you just said, because, you know, as, if anybody out there who watches RuPaul's Drag Race will know that that's what they call the inner saboteur um, and they're out to sabotage you. Um, and I know that as like my inner child self and that child self who very much like yourself was bullied growing up. Um, I was very much overweight, like almost 200 pounds when I was like 12, 14 years old. Um, bullied incessantly because I was a ginger, like everything and anything that I could be bullied for. And I was gay. I was a big, fat ginger gay. Like, come on. Um, so it's like, I got, I got all of that. And I have so much of that. Like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Um, that, you know, it took. That's why I've been doing this personal development work for like over a decade because it's taken that journey to get to the place now where I am, where I'm like, cool, I'm comfortable getting on camera and doing my thing. Not that that saboteur is not there anymore. They're there. But I've had conversations with them being like, hey, you don't get to drive the car anymore. I get it. You were here to keep me safe. That was what you were trying to do. And um, that old reptilian part of our brain, that fight or flight would come up because we don't have to necessarily fight or flight now but that reptilian part would take over and be like this isn't safe this isn't safe and so i had to have those inner conversations of like okay it's it's safe it's just uncharted territory it's new territory but you can't grow unless you you step outside of that comfort zone you know, but we don't step outside of that comfort zone because the fear and because the saboteur steps in and goes, no, 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 I'm driving the car. So now I've politely stuck him in the backseat of the car. He pipes up now and then, no, 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 you got to turn here. You got to turn here. And I go, oh, thank you very much for your input. But I am driving the car today. Yeah. And even though it gets scary and nerve wracking and it can be fearful and, you know, all that stuff, it's all made up in my head. And I recognize that all of those things are made up in my head and I'm the one making them up. And I can easily also choose to make up different stories. So, but that's a practice. Again, it's not something that happens overnight. Now, what I want to really drive home to people is that it's not something like your life is your life. It's not your hot minute right now. It's your whole life. And so when you're changing things in your life, when you're, when you choose to go on this journey, you're not like, oh, well, I'm just going to do this for a year and then I'll be perfect. No, 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 no. That's not how it happens. You go down this one rabbit hole and then you keep going down other ones. But I can guarantee you, I can promise you that when you start to do this work, you will start to enjoy your life more. You will start to get more out of life. You will start to feel more fulfilled. You will start to feel less lonely and less shame. Will it, will it go away completely? Absolutely not. 
because those things are there for a reason. Those things are there to challenge us, to push us forward. If everybody in the universe, if everybody in our world was happy where they are, everybody got along, nothing was bad, nothing ever went the wrong way. Everybody liked cheese and everybody liked hamburgers and everybody liked the green carpets and everybody had the same level of everything, we would not be forced to be pushed to a new level of existence. We would not be forced to be pushed to get outside our comfort zones, to create new things, to bring new things into this world, to invent new iPhones and new um, uh, airplanes and to go out into space and to maybe get to Mars eventually and to expand our understanding of the world and consciousness. Without those fearful things, without those things that drive us, we would not move. So they serve a purpose, they are important, but they do not get to drive the car. And that's what a lot of people have the problem with is that they've never been taught, they've never learned how to say, thank you very much, you get in the back seat, I'm gonna drive the car. And that's what a lot of the work that I do is teaching people how to do just that and start their journey. Yeah. Yeah, because it's about starting the journey and then just keep taking that one step, that 1% better. It's not about, you know, getting to the end of the race. If you get to the end of the race, girl, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the end of the race. Okay. Yeah. 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 Hand the baton over. Someone else, does right? it. Someone else does it now. I have this, I'm very visual, right? <clears throat> and before I, um, uh, you know, well, doing the shame work doing the work in Mishame and, and, you know, there is no nice, easy, clean way of doing it. So, you know, any any advice that you might get from me, listener uh, or, or viewer or, you know, anything like – or if you read a book that's just like, you know, shame, you know, um, fixing your shame in three easy steps. Like just that's going to have to be a hard pass because that's that's bullshit, there is no, there's no clean way and waiting until you can do it in this kind of hermetically sealed environment, that's not going to work. There's a reason why uh, Brene Brown calls it the shame swamp. It's fucking messy. But mm-hmm. swamps are important parts of an ecosystem. All right? And we need mm-hmm. to know where the swamps are in our minds to recognize where, you know, where we're in the swamp. And in the blog post, I talk about, you know, what happens about uh, a shame storm. And, you know, it's those, those the, the roiling thoughts and feelings when you've been triggered. And I know, I know that sometimes it's Joe or another character within me who's, you know, desperately trying to, to you know, to, um, to drive the minivan of my life. Um, or, you know, uh, and, and or having a tantrum within me. Um, and I know now, and I do this more successfully at times than others. I'm not going to say that, yeah, I've, I've got it sorted. Listen to me. No, no, not at all. But I know now to not do anything. Just let the storm go. It will blow out. It will blow out and acknowledge the storm. And I do this. I write myself notes and oftentimes like in a work notebook um, when I went to start writing my book uh, for the lonely diplomat I remember I remember and I, I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna write it like in handwriting uh, like the first chapter right and Girl, so that's a choice I know I know <laughs> I was like you know I wanted this to have a sense of occasion and I remember going you know walking to the coffee shop in in Seoul and just going, yeah, this is going to be great. Took the day off from work and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome and stuff. Got the pen in my hand, poised over the pen, uh, over the paper. The very first word, it it couldn't come out. It couldn't come out. I'm like, oh, oh, realized that Joe wanted to keep me safe. Don't tell your story. No one wants to know about it. Who wants to know about that? Like, you know, so actually on the Starbucks receipt and I still have this, I, read, I wrote the words to Joe. This is allowed to be exciting and scary. Full stop. Just be you. Uh, and within moments, moments, I felt calm. Like I acknowledged 
It's like a three-year-old. The three-year-old in your life. Like three-year-olds, you know, throw tantrums generally because they want your attention. They're not being heard. So they're, they're throwing a tantrum. It's like, so paying attention and acknowledging that the tantrum is happening, that that shame storming is happening, but don't do anything. Don't make decisions because generally, not generally, almost without exception, the things that I regret in life happened because I'd acted in the middle of a shame storm. I lashed out. Um, and for me, that that is a key part of, that's, that's a key awareness point right there. It's like the shame storm will pass. It's going to be a difficult few minutes, hours, days. It's going to be pretty shit. But reach out for help. Say, I'm in a shame storm. Don't fix it for me. I don't need it fixed. I just need to know that I'm a, I'm I'm normal. I'm a <laughs> I'm 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 a human who's subject to the human condition still. But when it comes to um, having the like the advice that you know shame fixing your shame in three easy steps and it's a 30 page book um you know that needs to be a hard pass because it is fucking messy it's the deal of life but also and callan this is my question to you can we ever rid ourselves of shame that's part one no right no because like i already explained before it's an important part of the human psyche and moving us forward like we need to have those experiences in order to learn from them to grow from them to push us further farther and further and faster into the future so what then happens is part two of the question what then happens when a client or you know you just hear people generally saying it that you know I, I want to fix I want to fix my shame I want to um, you know what what's what, what comes up for you then when you hear the words fix my shame I don't know I don't know if I necessarily hear it in that sense um, but I always rephrase it and I want in a sense I want to learn I want to learn because I I'm never fixing anybody and that's very clearly literally written out on my website in specific parts. I am not here to fix you. There is nothing wrong with you. Like I explained before, all these things that happen to us are important, but I am here to help guide you to teach you the things that you didn't know before so that you can learn what I now know so that you can help get to a place so that I can help you get to a place maybe where I am and then you'd get to turn around and you get to do the same for somebody else. It might not be in the same capacity that I do it. Like I literally do it for work, coaching and, and that kind of a thing. But you can do it for your friends. You can do it for family. You can go, hey, I've learned this thing and it really, really helped me. And it's about learning and growing. It's not about fixing because there's nothing wrong. There's nothing to be fixed. It's just a part of the journey. This is the part of the journey that you're in. And it's like the crabs in the bucket. People are always trying to pull down. Don't be a crab in the bucket. Be a person on the edge of the bucket pulling people out. That's what I always focus on. I'm always the one who's like, I'm willing to pull you out if you want. But there is no way you can pull me back in because I've built my foundation. And because I've built my foundation, so if you try and pull me in, you can pull as hard as you want, but I'm not going back in there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I say. Learning. Learning and growth and the journey. It's not, it's not fixing. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I have to say um, that I, I do recoil when someone's like, fix it. It's like, why? Why would you want to fix that? like you know learn get yeah. curious yeah yes get curious yes mm. yes yes oh my god oh my god it's like you've said exactly what i was thinking callan yeah how what's 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 next for you on your path to global domination oh so many things um so i've kind what's of the one percent I've, I've slowed down. Uh, I've slowed down on taking one-on-one -on -one clients. I still, I still do from time to time. Um, 
depending on what's going on. But I'm working on um, a program that I'm going to be releasing an online program in January. Hopefully, fingers crossed, all goes well. Um, so I'm working on that right now called the Shame Detox, which you've already brought up, which in it, it's a six week online program. And I teach you how to go from feeling lost, overwhelmed and exhausted by life to being an empowered and confident decision maker and experience what it's like to finally feel in control of your life without the stress and anxiety of trying to figure it all out alone. And that's a lot of what I had already talked about before about, you know, don't do it alone. You don't have the tools. So how can you assume that you're going to fix it all? Because if you've not give, been given the tools, so in it, I walk you through the, you know, the foundations that I have, which is, you know, foundational confidence and then community and building those so that you can build a solid foundation. Like I've built a solid foundation so that nothing can really hit you off center and um, plug you into all those things. So that's the next big step that I'm doing. And I'm, I'm going to be launching that in January, probably on January 25th. Right. Um, and so that's the next huge, huge thing. And then I am in the processes of writing a book. It's I, I want to say like about one third done, but that's like, that's like a year or two down because it takes so long to like actually put the book together and get it all done. My dream is to one day have it published by Hay House. Like that would be my be all. Like that would just be like check that off the list. I'm excited. My friend actually, one of my one of my friends in the coaching world, I remember because I remember coaching her at the very, very beginning when she was picking my brain and she just had her book published by Hay House. So it's not as far fetched and as wild as I'd think. Nice. Um, but yeah, those are the next couple of big things that I'm working on. And then also just hanging out in the Gay Men's Brotherhood. I just love being in that community, watching that community grow and thrive and bringing people together to for them to have that be their 1% step of like, okay, well, maybe I'll join this, you know, free Facebook group for everybody get in there, get their toes wet a little bit, see where other people are, see that they're not alone. And then through that, they can find those other resources that we have um, or that other people present that show up in there and, you know, let that be the kind of starting point. But those are kind of like the three, three big things that I'm working on right now. Okay. And, right. So, and so should I throw out my website and all that jazz as well? Is that yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, and, and where can we find you? Oh, well, all right. If you want to find me, you can find me at discoveringyourtruth.com. Um, and then I am on Instagram at catchcal. Um, I'm on Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff, which you can find through the website. But yeah, discoveringyourtruth.com is where everything kind of spurts out from there. No worries. Um, and listener viewer, there's going to be links uh, in the episode description. And before I do um, wrap up, I, I want to say this, listener and, and viewer, really Really clearly, while um, uh, uh, the, the the critical thing, the critical thing of this um, this conversation has been, while tempting to do it in you know a a well contained room um, and and control the mess, it's missing the point. It's missing the point, and loneliness wants us to emerge from dealing with our loneliness in this perfectly formed human way. It doesn't work like that. You know it doesn't work like that, but still we, we want to do it in, a, in that kind of you know, climate-controlled environment. It completely misses the point. And wanting to do it alone also completely misses the point. The point of loneliness is to then get the connection. And um, I, you know, invite you, invite you to um, stay connected to me and my work um, on social media. Um, and also in my exclusive premium subscriber lounge on Facebook where you can come and get messy get messy there are other gay men who are followers of the loneliness guy and we it's it's a beautiful thing when someone shows up and says this is hard and it's a beautiful thing to um both give help and advice and see others give help and advice even if that help is 
shit, that really sucks. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do right now. I don't know what to say. But yeah, like I hear you. I I can hear. That's responding with empathy. And that empathy is everything when we're um, dealing with shame. So, it's the open invitation to you to come and join, uh, uh, to subscribe to The Loneliness Guy as a premium subscriber for uh, $9.95 Australian a month, um, and uh, which is, I think, $6.50, $7 US a month, um, and to come and get support from me if you um, need, if, if my content uh, invites you to become more curious about what's going on within you. You are not alone. I guarantee you that there are other gay men who have been where you are or are where you are and you get to ask for help. So, um, and on a final note, as men, we tend to want to help all the time. We, we, we stand ready and, and I've got cricket in my mind right now. Like we're, we're, we're the wicketkeeper. We're ready to get anything that, that comes our way. It takes real courage to ask for help. Come and get the help that you need, um, whether it's in the Gay Men's Brotherhood or uh, in, um, in in the Premium Subscriber Lounge uh, for The Loneliness Guy. Thank you most sincerely, Callan, for joining us today on Connection Over Coffee. I feel that this is going to be content that we will be coming back to. Um, and uh, I very much look forward to staying in touch with you and having you back uh, on uh, for, for, for a coffee, maybe your shout next time. Yeah, sounds good. So, Callan, thank you so much. Listener, viewer, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Connection Over Coffee. All sounds that you heard in this episode were recorded at Prefab Eatery on Jesse Street, Wellington. All views expressed in this episode are my own and are intended to support, challenge and inspire gay men to consider the issue of loneliness and increase awareness of the need for authentic connection with themselves, with others and their communities as an antidote to loneliness. They are not intended to, nor should they, replace the advice of a licensed helping professional. Please consult the resources page on my website, thelonelinessguide.com, if you feel that you need the services of a licensed helping professional. Thanks for listening.